uncontrollably. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Men for Life podcast. Um, here, my name is Andrew Jacoby. Here with my good friend and co-sponsor to the uh, Men for Life podcast, and also we have an amazing guest, Pete McHugh. Um, is in the house today. So, Pete, welcome to the show. Thank you. Looking forward to hearing a little bit about you. We're going to hear from Pete today about uh, what it's like to be a young man out in the game. It's been a sort of theme on the Men for Life podcast of late, is what it's like to be in the culture of death, trying to live a good life. And it's a hard thing to do. But before we get to uh, your insights on that, Pete, the other Pete, Pete DeMaio, is our prayer champion. So, Pete, maybe you could start us off with a prayer throw one up and we can um we can begin absolutely <clears throat> in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen amen hail mary full of grace the lord is with thee blessed are thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb jesus holy mary mother of god pray, pray for, for us sinners, sinners now and, and at the, the hour, hour of our death, death. Amen. amen pope john paul ii pray, pray for, for us our Lady of Fatima. Pray for us. And welcome, Pete McHugh, yeah, into the show. Man. Good to have you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks yeah, for having welcome, me. Pete. Thanks so much for coming down. I know it's not convenient for you, but, uh, you know, this is... We try to do this in person. Yeah. The no. Catholic uh, thing is a, an embodied faith, so it's not... We don't like the virtual. We like to go with the... Try to get in person. It's an incarnational faith, so... We like to be in person as much as possible. And for our listeners, don't worry. We know that you want to be able to see us, so we will get the cameras. One out. day, one day the cameras will come. But we're working. We've we are working on the audio, so we, yeah. we screw up the audio sometimes. So adding video, Francis, you're coming in to help us add video. In the meantime, we're gonna we're gonna be with audio. We don't even have an intro yet for our po- all the po- we're the podcast. It's like the Seinfeld. We're the podcast. We're the podcast without an intro. Wow. So it's just we go straight into the meat. You're Everybody else like sticks around go. with the appetizer. They play funky music. Not the Men for Life podcast. We go right for the right for the jugular. Men for Life. One pound burger. <laughs> all meat. <laughs> all meat. No bun. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> There's no 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 salad. Nothing. No. Just the meat. No nonsense. Straight. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Darn That's right. Straight, man. All right. So Pete uh um, young Pete, we'll put it that way. So again, as as we talked about a little bit before we were recording, um, basic idea of the Men for Life podcast is we're talking to men, but especially young men like yourself and younger, about um, what it's like to live in a culture of death and attempt to create out of that a culture of life. And the way to do that um, is yourself, first the first place to begin. So, you know, how do you, so we'd like to learn from you how are you journeying through being a young guy out in um, Lansdale Catholic High School, which is where you went, now Immaculata University, trying to live a good life in a world that is call, has all kinds of siren calls? And the reason why it's interesting for me and Pete, Big Pete, is because like when we grew up, there was culture. It was right. <laughs> there was cultural life. I mean, there's culture of death out there, but it's on steroids now with these phones and the pornography that's available. I mean, when I like, I grew up in the '70s and '80s. It just didn't ex- the stuff that exists today for you guys is a different level than what I had access to. And I felt, and I was out there even when it was not that crazy. So I don't know what how you're doing it. So that's why I wanted. I'm rambling a little bit. How? What is it like for you 
to try to sort of navigate this. And let me just say, Andrew, to support <clears throat> what you're saying, we are not out of our minds here on the Men for Life <laughs> podcast. A, a grown man ran over an 18-year-old teenager today because he was radically conservative. So he needed to then run him over and kill him. Wow. That hit the news today. That's so crazy. That is the culture of death yeah. that's out there. I mean, this is just absurd that an 18-year-old is dead right now today because a man doesn't, you know, agree with his political views. So again, it's not a gun issue. It's, you know, yeah. right? The rock didn't kill Abel. Cain killed Abel. So if we don't have guns, we're going to use rocks. We're going to use cars. We're going to use knives. We're going to use abortion. We're going to, that's what the culture of death looks like. And that's what we want to try to yeah. combat. So, um, and you have to excuse my voice, by the way, uh, we were at the PA March for life just two She's days ago screaming. on Monday. So I didn't think I was screaming, but maybe I was talking over, some of the noise uh, that was there. So, yeah, so I want to dive in. I'm so fortunate that I got to meet you, Pete. Yeah, um, no, likewise. Yeah, for our listeners, I was up at Lansdale Catholic. Shout out to LC, Mr. Finocchio, <laughs> uh, the Dans, Mr. Dan McCarthy. And I got a chance to meet Pete there after speaking with one of the classes. And just what an awesome young man and then bumped into you guys at a cracker barrel yes yes um coincidentally over christmas break i think it was yeah. yeah with my family and uh and i was just happy that i met you guys you guys are just good good young guys and young girls and then here i um, got a chance to reconnect with you last fall um at immaculata university yeah. pete's one of the max for life there so yeah, really, really happy to have you on and really dig into you know your your story a little. So, yes, you. Yeah, so you want to pick up with where yeah help Andrew us out. was on um yeah what's it like trying to live out this culture of life in a culture of death? It's I I would say it, it's it's interesting. It's I I want to say it's hard, but it's also not at at times as well because. Immaculata has blessed me and Lansdale Catholic has also blessed me with great friendships and great communities to be able to like build up these these like spiritual weapons to fight against this culture of death and to be able to um, like counteract it just like you mentioned that story of this the man hitting the 18 year old boy because he disagreed with his political opinions it's tempting to kind of hear media like that and think that that's all that there is out there is this culture of death but it's great that you guys are putting out this this sort of media that's counteracting that and there there is like it's letting people know that there is this culture of life and it's bigger than you than you think and that's one thing that i've really come to learn over the past few years is that the like the catholic world is so much bigger than you could ever imagine um i think initially when i started to get deeper into my faith i thought it was like a lot, a lot more just like between me and God and um, Lansdale Catholic had a great community and then going to college regardless of where you go it's going to be different because LC has such a like tight great faith community so anywhere you go it's an adjustment and I imagine it's a much bigger adjustment if you're going to a bigger state school that doesn't have any Catholic identity but even going to Immaculata it was an adjustment and they still have a strong Catholic identity we have the sisters 
uh, there we have solid theology classes. I've have I have a lot of the sisters as my theology teachers, and that's pretty great. Um, I even picked up I'm a nursing major, but I picked up a minor in theology as well, just because I enjoyed learning from these sisters and hearing their input. And it's all like solid theology. It's not watered down, and it'll challenge you in a good way to um, grow in your faith. That's awesome. But, was this always your? Vi- I mean, so was this this was this like? the way that you had it all the way through your life, or this happened kind of when you hit Lansdale Catholic, or was this from from birth, you're like, look, this is kind of relatively easy for me. I mean, I just see, obviously, this is not the right way to go, even though it's all around, and I can easily get on this other bus, or was there a time in your life where you made a transition to, um, to that? Yeah, no, there was definitely a point where I had to make a transition and really own the faith for myself. Um, I was always raised Catholic. Like my parents did a great job of raising me in the faith and going to mass every week. Like that was a big thing. Like never, never wavered on that. Um, but there wasn't a ton of depth in the way that the faith was presented in our family. It, there was never anything like controversial, anything against the faith, but there wasn't anything on that deeper side, like never really praying as a family, but we were doing, like on paper, all the things right. And I love my parents. They did a great job of raising me in the faith. So I don't want to discredit like anything from that. Yeah, but, the foundations. There, right. They were able to. Right. right. Yeah, they did. They did do a great praise job. Praise God. Yeah. Good work. Yeah. yeah. Thank God to Mr. and Mrs. McHugh. Right? Yeah. They did, they did a great job of laying down the foundation of the faith. But it wasn't until high school. Um, I would say specifically freshman and sophomore year, I really started to doubt like the faith. Hmm. Uh, altogether and even doubt God's existence. I still was going to Mass with my family every week. Um, that wasn't something I wavered on. It was more so something I was dealing with internally. I didn't really show it in my uh, actions or in what I said, but I was dealing with this internally. And it got to the point where I just really didn't understand God's existence at all and never flat out said I didn't believe in God, but reflecting back on it, I was not... I was not there and did not make the connections and I was almost getting defensive about it. And it wasn't until the summer going into my junior year at Lansdale Catholic. Um, it was after a football practice. John McCabe, one of my good friends invited me to come to prayer group at Lansdale Catholic. So that's a thing we do every Thursday night. Um, it's an hour of adoration with music and John invited me to come with him, and I was like, ah, I'm not, I'm not trying to go to this, John. And it sounds so superficial, but this, this was the depth of, I guess, my faith or lack of faith at the moment. The way he convinced me to go with him to this holy hour was because he said he said we would go out afterwards and get food. And I'm like, yeah, no, I, I want to get, I want to grab food and hang out with you, John. So I'll, I'll go to this and, um. When I, when I went to the holy hour, like there was a sense of peace that kind of came over me, and um, I, I in the moment and for I, I continued to go for like the next the following weeks after that as well with John, but in those moments I kind of just thought it was a busy point in my life. I'm taking a moment to reflect, like I'm just gathering my thoughts. I did not credit any of that to God or being in His presence or being with him in the Eucharist and like in, in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. And these are things I can see now looking back on it. But just in that moment, I thought I'm getting a, a break from a busy point in my life and 
able to gather my thoughts and just relax. And the chapel was one of the few buildings at LC that was air-conditioned. So it's like, all right, this is great after a football practice. And it was very relaxing. Um, but I continued to go weekly. And it was at that moment, side-by-side, like side, I, um, I encountered Mr. McCarthy's class. And it was... Um, it was a moral theology class mm -hmm. and the first topic that we discussed for that, like, um, for that semester was, um, does God exist? And we dove deep into that. And I've always just been not super emotional and more so on like, I guess like a logical side of things. And just, I had never heard an argument for God's existence um, like any of Aquinas's arguments or any of just like contingency arguments, any any of the arguments for God's existence until that moment in Mr. McCarthy's class. So that side by side with uh, going to adoration, um, I kind of there was there was a moment where I kind of just like offered up this prayer, and I think it was something that Mr. McCarthy like advised the class as a whole to do, like just in general. He said like some of the best one of the best prayers you can say is like just being completely honest with god like god I'm, i don't understand this i don't like believe you i don't trust you on this like help me to see that so i offered up a version of that prayer like god I'm, I'm having these doubts and it's becoming apparent to me like i never even thought of them as doubts in god i just i didn't have that relationship with god but it was that was a moment in my life where i was able to reflect and see, like, no, I don't have a relationship with God, and I'm not pursuing him, and I almost don't really want to pursue him, and I, it's because I don't really think you exist. But I'll give it a shot, because my parents laid this foundation of the faith, so I did have that foundation to go back on. So I kind of knew what I was doing when I was praying, but I didn't, you know, have that relationship in there. But I'm like, all right, I'll give this a shot, and... If if you are real, you're providing me this really great material in McCarthy's class to fuel my prayer. So these these topics that we would talk about in class, it just like struck me deeply. And John began to invite me to St. Stan's, the local parish, has perpetual adoration. He would say, hey, like you want to come a couple times a week. So I started going to adoration a couple times a week rather than just the weekly holy hour at the prayer group. Um at LC. So I would go a couple times a week and then I started going on my own, like without John. Um, I mean, it's a minute drive down the street from LC, but it's just somewhere that I wanted to be. Yeah. And it wasn't like this big conversion moment, but it was gradually over time. Like God was working on my heart and like working in my desires and just changing my heart completely through spending time with him in adoration. This is over the course of months going through McCarthy's class, learning about moral theology, and all of these doubts that I either knew I had or never really knew to address, but like deep down I had, or different doubts about the church's teaching on different things, um, they were just being addressed, like formally addressed in in his class. And that coupled with prayer, it just it led to this one moment where I was looking at, in, in St. Stan's, in their Adoration Chapel, they have a crucifix on the wall. And I was looking at the Eucharist in, like, in the monstrance and, like, looking back at that cross. I'm like, that's, that's the same guy. 
it, it finally connected for me. And this is something I'd known since what third grade right. when you go through communion prep. Like I knew that in my head, but it's something that like finally traveled down to my heart and I, and I understood it. And I had to realize like, wow, no, God certainly exists and he's working in my life in a profound way. And it was through those past few months, like during that time, those few months of praying and like learning that I was able to recognize it. And that just kind of, it took off from there. That was just a great spark. You're giving me the chills, Peter. <laughs> yeah, praise God. Because for those who know, they they know. And those who haven't found him yet, um, hopefully we pray that you do. But that's it. I mean, when it travels to your heart, that is just, yeah, yeah like, I know you now. You yeah, know? of course. Oh, man, that's beautiful. And you're right. That combined with Mark, uh, with um, Mr. McCarthy teaching you. I mean, now you got like a dynamic duo. It's like a one-two punch. You're literally sitting yeah. with Jesus and and you're learning logically. So it's like your heart and your mind both yeah. are being addressed simultaneously. That's so oh, interesting. Dude. I hear that all the time. And Bishop Barron talks about that a lot, which is that one of the reasons that a lot of young people went away from the faith is because argumentation wasn't used. It was sort of hmm. dumbed down. And I wasn't, I wasn't involved at all. I was Jewish. <laughs> and, but that's what he was saying is that no people were, uh, or people weren't going and answering the questions, the logical questions that young people had about the faith. So the people just gave up on it. They're like, you didn't, but some people just said, okay, well, there's no, this is just seems silly and I don't have to go anymore because I don't live with my parents. And so I'm done. Whereas you actually were able to encounter somebody who you had a concern. Okay. I don't believe God exists. Somebody convinced me God exists. You have an objection to God's existence. And then somebody comes and says, okay, well, here's this guy, Thomas Aquinas and St. Thomas Aquinas has these arguments and here they are arguments from contingency or from movement or whatever. Um, and it, you know, and combined with the adoration, changes your mind it puts you on fire that's awesome it's great like it's total uh, vindication for that view that it's also it's important that we answer people's questions that that's a key piece and i think we've given up on that in modern culture in a way like we've given up on argumentation because everyone just sort of there's this certain skepticism about our ability to know anything it's just sort of like well i have my truth pete and you have your oh, truth. Gosh. So we'll yeah. just like leave your truth. You just put your truth over on that side of the street. I'll put my truth on this side of the street. And we'll just agree to disagree before we ever have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And that ends up, I think that that's like the, one of the major underlying features of this craziness that we experience is that we gave up on the idea of a truth yeah. or some kind of third thing that we can both um, reference and attempt to... Um, sort of coordinate our beliefs with mm-hmm. and we just sort of we give up we say no no it's just me and you and now we're in this struggle of wills and it becomes about emotionalism and yeah. volunteerism and all this kind of craziness it's, and everybody's kind of, kind of cordoned off in their own world I don't understand it's I think that's part yeah, of it interesting that you mentioned that because um, I'm taking an ethics class this semester as one of my philosophy electives um, mainly took it because I really like the professor but just the content has been amazing. And he does a great job of presenting the information from like an objective point of view because we were just talking about um, moral nihilism, 
moral relativism and objectivism. And he, he presents all the topics from like how someone that buys into that viewpoint would present it themselves as well. So it's, it's really good. And then he kind of gives his feedback on what he thinks about it. Yeah, the moral um, relativist. Yeah. It's a strange view, but they have this thing. I have a lot of friends, they think that they're moral relativists, but it's like, okay, well, yeah. then can I just have your wallet? Right. Wait, yeah, we were just. No, you can't have my. Why not? What's the difference? Like, yeah. Why can't I have your wallet? Well, yeah, because we, it's wrong. Was it really wrong or we just agree that it's not wrong? Yeah. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. What's the problem? It's, it's your not, wrong. It's, it's not, not re- my wrong. It's not really wrong. <laughs> right. There's no really wrong. Right. But, um, the, will you give us a little? Yeah, give us yeah. a little bit of what uh, he's given you in the class, like a yeah. little bit on the um, objectivism yeah, or the yeah, yeah. But while, okay, while Raddy Pete's going to drop some knowledge oh, here, people, yeah. we're just business guys. We don't we don't yeah. get into yeah. this <laughs> philosoph- philosophical stuff. But well, yeah, while we were talking about these topics in class, I just had this thought that nihilism and moral relativism are just so dull. Like they're very just dull worldviews. And they all have this kind of common mindset of removing God from the picture hmm. and pursuing your own truth and pursuing like pleasure as the good. And there's just something about that, that when you actually are in touch with like your own desires and if you like really reflect on it, which I think is a part of the problem too, is people don't do a lot of reflecting or even like deep thinking. That's why you can't have a lot of those like deeper logical conversations today. Um, it's like when you when you dive deeper into those things, and like deeper into what you really want, you you don't really want your own truth. You don't really want your like just just pleasure. It's like there's something about like what the Catholic Church has always taught about pursuing this good that's so far outside of you, that like that good that simultaneously wants to become a part of you and wants you to become a part of it. Like God just desires us to become a part of him. There's something about that that is just from a surface level so much more attractive than, 100%. than making up my own truth. Yeah, that's deep, that's a profound point because if it's just your story and it doesn't relate to anything real, it's kind of stupid. Yeah, It's just boring. It's just stupid. It's, it's like, just you. It's just you inventing your own thing. And if that's all there is, if it doesn't relate to anything outside of your own little head... Yeah. Then you're just like one of those cartoon characters and all you have is your little bubble over your head and that's the only reality that exists. That's so sad. Pete, as a young man, college student, junior in college, you're telling me that in reflection would actually be different than me just scrolling through TikTok video after TikTok <laughs> video on my phone. <laughs> There's a slight difference, I would say, between the two. <laughs> <laughs> That's not to say that we can't indulge sometimes right, in pleasure right. or yeah. in that that yeah, good it's not that or whatever. Pleasure is like inherently wrong, right? But, but there's something yeah. much much deeper. Yeah. yeah, if that's like your only pursuit, and like that's your highest good. Like it's gonna it's yeah. Then you're serving get... the Chinese Communist Party too. <laughs> if you're doing TikTok, Pete. You know, you <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. You're have not a... just serving pleasure. You're serving <laughs> the CCP. <laughs> I do not have a TikTok. My you do not. Yeah, yeah, Andrew, you actually sound like a conspiracy. Theorist no, that's right the real now. deal, man. That's the real deal. <laughs> Side note: asterisk. <laughs> Drop your TikTok because the commies own it. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it's the deal. Yeah. Um. I was going to say, does is this um, 
I know your friend John has has is now in the seminary. Yes. So he actually pursued a a path where he dedicated his entire life to the religious pursuits, a religious life. He's going to find his vocation in the church. Pete was saying earlier that you've had you had this you're kind of on fire for the faith, but yet you don't feel a religious calling, meaning you don't you feel like your your vocation is outside of the religious life. Is that also the case? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And this this was something we just How do you thought. discern that? Yeah, that's great. That's a great question. Which but, uh, also ties into the reflection and what yeah. you found lacking in those other those other worldviews or other arguments, right, of materialism, objectivism, moral relativism, right? Yeah. They're just too hollow or empty for you. So, right, what is it that you're finding that's calling you to yeah. something else? Um, I would say just kind of building off of where I said I was in high school and, like, really coming to own the faith and diving deep into it after Mr. McCarthy's class. I, I love the way they have it set up. It just it builds right into Mr. Finocchio's class too, which is supposed to be about um, marriage and um, I'm I'm not sure what the exact topic of the class is supposed to be, but he kind of changes it to be theology of the body is what he teaches, and he's like marriage will get covered in there. So he, he sure does. Yeah. God bless and you, Dan. That that class was amazing. Like that was something that like wrecked my heart. Like just. And it was cut short because of COVID. I had him my senior year, second semester, um, and that class was cut short. Um, so he says to this day, like, he wishes that he had more time to teach us. But, like, the short amount that we did have just spiraled. Like, it just really affected me deeply. Crap, I forgot, Pete. That's right. I yeah. think I was there that December. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in the first semester. Yeah. So... March was COVID. That's when I met you. Yes. I totally forgot. So your senior year was cut short. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so you only had that class and it was that impactful yeah. just going up to March. And yeah, because we, we did have online class as well. And Mr. Finocchio um, would kind of post like a Christopher West talk or um, different theology, the body talks and would say like, answer these reflection questions. And that was really that even that made an impact on me um and honestly like being at home during covid and having a ton of time to reflect and like those initial initial like phases of the shutdown was super impactful like in a in a positive way on my faith it had a really positive impact on my faith um cuz i think it was i think it was during lent that we the shutdown happened mm-hmm. and that year for Lent, I made it like my goal. I wanted to go to adoration every day. I didn't have time between like work and school and it was during track season. Didn't have time to make a holy hour every day, but I'm like, it's right nearby. It's a minute away from school. Like I just want to stop in whether it's for an hour or a minute or five minutes or a half hour. I want to stop in every day during Lent and kind of see if this forms into a habit as well so right in the middle of that everything gets shut down adoration chapel closes can't really keep doing that but um my parish and john's parish um, corpus christi um they opened the church so that you could come in and pray Uh, even though mass wasn't happening there was no formal adoration or anything so john and i just wanted to 
there was kind of nothing to do. Like, you couldn't leave your house anyway. So John and I just went and went there, and we would make a holy hour and then just talk for a while every day. Awesome. Yeah, so that was amazing. super yeah. cool. And that was a really big moment for my faith of just, like, my, my mindset during that period was what I'm, what I'm doing right now is because I kind of have a lot of freedom right now. Um, but what I'm doing right now is going to form how I am in college. So I was, I, I was still waking up early. Like I, I wanted to keep myself on a schedule, probably to keep myself sane too. But I would woke up early, like probably like seven o'clock ish. But I guess early for an eighteen year old, um, and just would still work out and like still, like had this routine of going to um, like Corpus Christi with John, and like doing my schoolwork things like that. So that was good to like stick with that routine. But that also just like impacted me um that being in the presence of the blessed sacrament every day it changed me like that was like significantly and then there was like a point where my and then simultaneously like theology of the body is also like really really impacting me because i was just about to ask yeah. you that was there anything specifically that you were learning yeah. simultaneously from mr finocchio right yeah so, that that yeah yeah that you're contemplating as you're sitting in front of yeah so right McCarthy's class got me like kind of convinced that I like I want to be here right and convinced of these truths but Finocchio's class kind of like cracked open some of those truths to go a little deeper mm -hmm. and the like church's teaching on sexuality the church's teaching on sex like there was never something I questioned like I always kind of understood it it, it always kind of made sense from a logical standpoint of why you would want to wait till marriage. But theology of the body just put like a whole new light on that of just like, no, this is like something that's written like deeply in our hearts and deeply in like what it means to be human. And just like the, like the mystery that it reveals about Christ and the church. Just so if there's, like, so P, if there's a, a young guy listening a little bit doubting you right now <laughs> saying, you know what? Really? I mean, Come on now. I have to wait to get married to have sex? I mean, my girlfriend wants to have sex with me today. <laughs> now. What can, what can theology, like, what, what, sell me on why, like, what, what is this theology of the body and why, or what can you, can you distill? Like, I haven't, I don't have time to go read the whole theology of the body book, all those sermons. Just help me out. She's calling, she's texting me. I, she wants me to come over. Like, I, help me yeah. out. Like, I, I, give me the, give me the, give me the cliff note. I, I remember hearing a like one of the, like those short videos that Jason Everett like put out about that exact question. Someone had asked him that, and his answer was, "Yeah, no, like, go do it." But like, like, yeah, go for it. But if you're truly living out like what sex means, it's like, then like, give her everything of yourself. Like, yeah, like, go for it. But that also requires like your last name. And like, mm. like a house or like, you know, or like give her everything, truly give her everything. Like his answer was, yeah, no, go for it. But if you actually are going to live up to your word of like what the true meaning of sex is, is like to like a total gift of self. He's like, then marriage is the proper context. So it's not just me going over there hanging out because your parents went away and have some fun. Like, it's not that it's something more than that. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's the that's that's what the the culture says, right? I mean, that's what we're talking it's about. A, that's that's the other side of the story is, what's the big deal? 
it's just sex. I mean, it's just like, you know, we're together and we enjoy each other's company and we have these body parts that fit together in certain ways that tend to feel good. So why don't we engage in that? Because some strange story that, you know, like why? Why why can't I? What's wrong with that? So that's I think that's the other side of the story. So, what do you got on that, Pete? I would just say it's a dull view of the whole picture. Mm. Huh. So that's, that's a limited what, view. Yeah, like theology of the body kind of put the whole thing in, like the kind of gave me the whole picture. It kind of connected the dots. Like just it, it just felt like Christ was revealing revealing everything about mm. this. I mean, obviously not everything, because it's a mystery, so we can't know everything about this but just revealing so much yeah and like everything that i needed to know about this that it wasn't just some like repressive teaching that the church always had and just because like oh it it might be better off for you but no this is just it's worth it and you're you're missing the full picture when you settle for something less Pete, we are literally discussing this on the bus on the way back from the PA March for Life. I have my bride sitting next to me, Trisha. We're talking to a couple other moms, Christy Rodia, Michelle Haley. We have Lisa and Miss Castagno yeah, is yeah. there. Um, and fa- none other than Father Taglianetti, newly ordained priest, St. Pius, Cardinal O'Hara, campus minister now. And he was just ordained... Um, not even three years ago, I don't think. And he said when Monsignor Bransfield, Brian Bransfield, came to the seminary to teach this, that 40-minute teaching alone was enough, like you said, that cracked some things open in him. And as soon as he started talking, Trisha starts like smiling and giggling and laughing because she was like, oh my gosh, you are like, you're going to be one of Pete's new favorite priests. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Because I was like, Monsignor Bransfield retreat 2008 like that changed i mean i had been with trisha already for 15 years and to learn theology the body was like a newness that so i don't care if you're a 14 year old guy a 17 year old guy 22 28 and married already like i was 50 60 there's something there that is just as you just said pete you said it perfectly it's not the dull view anymore and it's not it's not the opposite of the repressive view because in Christopher West's um, description, he says, you know, the way that the world presents this to us is that there's a starvation diet, which is like that repressive view. And then there's the fast food diet, you know, and it's one or the other. Whereas Christ comes along and says, no, 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 I have a, like a banquet for you. And it's not fast food and it's not starvation. There's a banquet. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, all right, I want to know what the banquet is all about. Like, the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, hey, if you're like us, most guys, we like to eat. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's like, are you telling me there's like burgers and chicken wings and the healthy food and all of it? It's all there. You know what I mean? I was like, I want to know what that is, you know? So it's like fast food's good and all, but yeah, it gets old quick. Yeah. You wake up the next morning and you you're like, gross. yeah, and you f- boom, yeah. you start to feel pretty gross, you know? And then the starvation isn't cool because you can only starve yourself so much for so long. Like, you can starve yourself for a week. Yeah. You probably starve yourself for 40 days, you know what I yeah. mean? But like, how long can you ultimately starve yourself? So I, like you, and I think most of our hearts desire 
to want to know, well, what's that banquet all about? Mm-hmm. What's on that table? What's that look like, smell like, taste like? You know, what is that? I think that's an interesting, what you guys are bringing up is an interesting point because a lot of people, when they think about the Catholic Church's teaching about sexuality in general, think that the church is negative on sex itself, which is totally not true. Totally not true. It's sort of like, oh, well, you don't want me to have sex whenever I want, therefore, dot, 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 sex is bad. Whereas it's it's complete, it's an odd conclusion to draw. But I mean, I, I understand where people are coming from, but it's, I, it's actually sex dot 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 is pure. Sex dot yeah. dot dot is holy. Sex dot 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 is beautiful. Sex dot right. dot dot. I mean, it's like you can fill in all these it's, other wonderful words that go along with it. Yeah, for and sure. that you know that's why when I walked with Monsignor Bransfield, I was like, "Look, I have questions." <laughs> that's what I told Father Taglianetti and the other moms on the bus, and he was like, "All right, go ahead." And I was like, "No, no, no, I have real questions." <laughs> he was like, "All right, walk with me, Pete," and he walked with me for an hour, and I asked him everything, wow. like everything, you know, because don't forget, I'd been living, you know, like. I'm already married. I've been with Trisha since we were 15 years old. We basically did everything wrong. And it's like, all right, I need you to help me reconcile and what we, you know, what's wrong. And then I need you to help me reconcile the difference between starvation, fast food and banquet, you know? So I asked him everything because I try, you know, and oh my gosh, that Andrew, that amazing. Yeah. Another way that Bishop Barron put it, which helped me was that he said, look, if something isn't valuable, you don't put rules around it. So like a, a piece of lint from the from the from the floor here. Like whatever. Nobody cares about it. So there's not a, nobody cares what you do with it. You can like walk around on your hands and knees, pick up as much lint as you want and make a rainbow whatever you want. But if you go to the Philadelphia Museum of Art and there's a Van Gogh exhibit and there's a thirty million dollar painting on the wall or fifty million dollar painting or whatever, you can't just walk up to that and, you know, Add your little two two cents with your own little paintbrush to the Van Gogh. It doesn't work that way. There's a huge amount of rules around it because it's valuable. Hmm. Yeah. Well. So it's not that. So we don't care about things that aren't valuable. We don't put rules and restrictions around things that are not valuable because nobody cares. But things that are the more valuable the thing becomes, it makes sense that we put restrictions on its use hmm. because. Um, hmm. That yeah. could be a classic car if we were looking at material things, right? Yeah, we're not taking it out of the garage and driving it all the time, you know. To to the painting, to how much infinitely more valuable are right. are we? So then, men and ladies, that's what we're called to do: is to treat ourselves with that value and dignity, and then to treat right the opposite sex with that same value and dignity. That's Right. Yeah, yeah. It's good. a it's a good it's Bishop a good, Barron. Yeah, Bishop Barron's right on. <laughs> good call, that guy's the man. Yeah, for sure. Word on fire. Shout out to Word on Fire, <laughs> and you can just go find that guy. He's 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 amazing. So Pete is a junior at Immaculata because, <clears throat> guys, ladies, you cannot see Pete, but um, this guy he's awesome. He's a uh, football in high school, quarterback, linebacker, fullback, uh, safety, running track at Immaculata University. The guy's built. He's like a fire plug. So, uh, um, so, so, how are you living it out now at Immaculata? You're a junior now, right? Yes. Are you 21? I am 21. I just one week ago today. Ah, uh, happy birthday, yeah. buddy! Nice. Yeah, yeah happy birthday. The 14th. 
Yes, the 14th. Yeah, 14th. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Um, I feel like that was a special feast day. Oh, what? Exaltation of the Holy Cross. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, a good friend. Text me that day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, awesome. Oh, good. And you know what your feast yes, day is. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, how are you living it out right now as a 21-year-old? Like, what's your, I don't know, what's your daily or weekly routine look like? Okay. You don't have John anymore yeah, to like no. show off to Corpus yeah. Christi to adoration. So what are you doing no, at college yeah. when you went into this new environment and it was different? John John played a huge role in like getting me like into these habits, like getting me like introducing me to adoration. That was just something that wasn't a part of my life. I wonder why he did that. Why he chose you to do that? Because did he do, bring all his friends in that way? Or just you guys? I don't know. Um, I know he would invite other people, but John and I had always been close friends since we were little. So that might have been. He's yeah. a year older, right? Yes, he is. Okay. Who was the other guy? There were two seniors that year that were going to the seminary. Um, Zach Shepherdson. Okay. Was, yeah, he's is, John's here. Still, and is yeah, he still, still in? in. Mm-hmm. With John? Yes. Ah, oh, mm-hmm. awesome. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, no, you're good. Yeah. So you guys have been buddies since you're little then? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But, yeah, John laying that foundation of, like, introducing, um, introducing adoration into my life just kind of made me want to accept it as something like that. Like, this isn't something we have to do always together. Like, this is something that like can be my own as well. And not, like, my own, but, you know, something mm-hmm. that is part of my daily routine, um, however that may look. So I, I've been blessed at Immaculata to... Um, I'm not super close to any, like, perpetual adoration chapel by... Um, like like St. Stan's. Where is Immaculata? Uh, out in Malvern. Okay. I think there is one at St. Joseph's Parish, but I haven't haven't found it yet. I haven't ventured out there yet to the Adoration Chapel. But we have Adoration on campus. Um, I'm pretty How sure often? Every, is it daily or is it weekly? We do, we do have... I'm pretty sure we have a holy hour every day now. After our... We have one at night on Thursday nights. And then after the 1230 Mass, there's a holy hour every day. Um, but so if you're a student at Immaculata, you have an opportunity to go to mass each day at 1230 yeah, and, and make a holy hour yeah. if you want. And there's a 7 a.m. mass too. Oh, as well. that's awesome. Yeah. Praise um, God. Yeah, it's great. It's really great. But also in my dorm building, like quite literally a floor below me, there's a chapel like in, in the dorm itself. And so there's not always exposition there, but I can just go down and sit in the presence of the blessed sacrament whenever I want to at any moment. So that's been a huge blessing just like for my own prayer life is that like almost there's no excuses like of not going to meet him face to face. It's like, it's, it's great. It's great. It's right there. It's super accessible. You're having a good day. It's like, get in here. You're having a rough day. It's like, get in here. You know, I'm right here. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And it's right in your dorm. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so that that's been a huge part of like fueling my spiritual life and just spending time in adoration but also the mass just played like a huge role in really deepening my faith and again that goes back to like the initial like covid shutdown of like being separated from the sacraments but specifically the mass that uh, like i didn't really understand how important the mass was to me until I was removed from it for months. Hmm. So like the moment that like masses were allowed, like I was just going to daily mass then. Like I had gone to daily mass, I think maybe once or twice before that, 
but I started going every day after that, like just without fail every morning, just, I, I wanted to be there so badly and I wanted to make this a part of my life. And wow, Pete. like to now that's like till now that's carried over. I just fitting in with my schedule. It's not like, cause I have clinicals for nursing. It's not, um, it's not possible to go to mass every day. Um, just cause some days I'm leaving school at five thirty in the morning and coming back later in the afternoon, there's just no available mass times, but I try to go, I'm hitting about four or five days a week between on campus or like fitting in with my classes and uh, like local parishes have like some flexible times, like nine o'clock on a Saturday is much better than six thirty a.m. on a Saturday. Yeah. So, but it's I I ha- I've been really blessed with having all of these like a great Catholic community around me. So it's like the pressure's on me to live out my faith. Like it's not. But you're doing it. Yeah. Right. When I came and saw you last fall up at Immaculata. And either you told me or John told me after, but either way, one of you told me that you were pretty much going to Mass daily, and that really stood out to me. I don't even go to Mass daily, you know, and and so that really struck me that, wow, you are um, – that's why those guys were like, ah, who knows, maybe he's having a calling, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like they weren't sure, but you, um, you know, you're doing it daily. You're yeah. – that's awesome, man. But yeah, kind of to address that, because I was one of like your earlier questions too, is like, how did I um, kind of notice that I was like drawn more towards marriage and like as where John was drawn towards religious life and the priesthood. But that was like a mindset I had to overcome. And that was like sort of during that period right before college where I was really taking my faith much more seriously um, was that I kind of fell into that mindset that like the priesthood was the only way to like live out a life of holiness and like I just knew that wasn't true but that's just how it felt and that's how it seemed and there was something there's something obviously attractive about like the priesthood or religious life of like giving everything to like this good like to God giving all of yourself to him and there's just like something so beautiful about that that's like stuck out to me but that didn't align with like my own desires of like what like what I was feeling deep in my heart and what I wanted for my own life um I mean obviously I'm not married right now so I'm open to like whatever God is calling me to I'm not like completely rejecting that but that's just not something that I've been drawn to um so that was like a mindset I had to overcome like I really want to pursue holiness on this deep level but I think that becoming a priest is the only way to pursue this holiness. So then I, I kind of wrestled with kind of like a, almost like a false sense of being called to the priesthood of like, is this what I'm called to? I don't, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm, I know I'm called to this life of like living out my faith on fire wholeheartedly. Yes. And that was just something I had to, I had to bring to prayer over like course of months um when is this happening is this, this is like last year my or? this is the summer before freshman year of college okay all the way until i think like the end of freshman year so a li- like um i think it was it was a little over a year i don't think i got those timelines right mm-hmm. but it was just something where i had just gotten out of a relationship in high school and i'm like all right i really want to like just i don't want to even think about relationships i don't want to like i don't know i just want to 
pray about this and see where it goes. But I've, I've, through that period, I've just learned or I became more and more aware of like feeling called and drawn to towards living out my vocation in the married life. But also that that's not the only way to live out holiness and that like holiness is for all of us. Like yes. this is like, that was just a flaw in my mindset. Like it's not that like everyone's called to be a priest or that's the only way to live out holiness. It's like, no, no, maybe I messed this one up. Like maybe I just wasn't correct. And I had to like address that in prayer and slowly overcome that mindset. But like, there's great examples, like the two of you living out your lives, like just wholeheartedly on fire for God and just other people like Mr. McCarthy, and Mr. Finocchio, um, just other lay people living out their lives on fire. And even priests have like, like father Dave O'Brien from Lansdale Catholic has played a huge impact or has like had a huge impact on my faith great priest yeah really great guy but just great like, young priest yeah but yeah just like through seeing how all these other people live out their faith just made me realize the mindset of or made me like come to the realization that like holiness is unique for each of us like the way we live it out like it's not just cut and dry that mm-hmm. only priests are holy or only religious Amen. people are holy but like we're all called to grow in this and live this out throughout our lifetime do you know matthew kelly's book pete um the biggest lie in christianity you know that one john actually lent that to me like in high school to read he did yeah oh beautiful because that's essentially the the essence of the book yeah and i I read that then but i still just didn't make that connection Hmm. you know it was just something that i totally understand Mm-hmm. Trisha and I applied for the, I say Trisha and I because your spouse is as involved as you are if mm-hmm. it's the diaconate program. So Trisha and I applied for the diaconate program, I think it's six six or seven years ago. And um, and I remember having that, yeah, I was just torn. It was like, oh God, I love you so much. You do so much for me. Like, what's the biggest way that I can thank you for everything you've done for me? my wife, our children. Do you know what I mean? Like everything that I have. And it's like, all right, I want to give myself fully back to you. And having learned theology of the body, it's like the fullest way that I can give myself all to you, you know, not withhold anything is literally to be ordained for you, you know, as a deacon. But then to come to find out that I can live that life for him also, hopefully as a saint, as I'm trying, you know, yeah, and I can do that in my vocation as husband and father and worker. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, is yeah. I think is interesting too, Pete. Sorry, Andrew. No, no, that was it. I would. I'm. There's a. Uh, I think Aquinas talks about this idea that there's um, that grace builds upon nature. That you have a particular gift to give to the world, and then God will use that gift in whatever it is. It doesn't have to be the priesthood. It could be whatever you decide. Mm. Consecrated, single, uh, married, what have you. But the question I had is, okay, so like you're a pretty serious guy, you know, like you're taking your faith really seriously, certainly a lot more serious than I was at your age. And so like if you're going to go out with a girl, right, because you're going to you're talking about marriage, you're not going to be a priest. So you're going to find a girl and marry her. So um, I like the next line of questioning that's coming. <laughs> oh, this is good. Andrew. No, but, uh, no it's OK. So yeah. what does that look like? OK, so now, you know, because like when I was dating a girl at that age, I mean, you know, your age, just, there were no serious conversations going on. You know, like that wasn't that wasn't happening. There was no like, OK, here's how this is. Here are the ground rules of how this is going to go. It was sort of like, well, how do I like how do I how do I create this 
level of intoxication between us <laughs> chemically <laughs> such that you know yeah. like we can we can involve ourselves in some some bad behavior like yeah. that was really what dating was. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I'm proud of that. That's what it was. Like that's what dating was for me. And then it would sort of like meander into some kind of let's do that more often, and then end up like living together in sin and and horror and misery. Okay, that's the wrong way to do it. Don't do that. That's not a recommendation, gentlemen. That's not that's not the way you're supposed to do it. Okay, that's the way I did it. I don't know if Pete did that too, but that's the way I did it. So you, I would, I would right submit way. that eighty to ninety percent of young <laughs> men on college campuses are doing and around way. is that's their their right. motive, right? And that's their. It's like wow, you look really good by. under that beer bong. Like, yes, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Like, yeah. So, so Pete, you're doing it counterculture, right? So how do you? And do I want to know how you're doing it. Yeah. So obviously, you're not just this you, you're not you're looking at the possibility of becoming a husband and father someday so you're not just living strictly as a single man right now so yeah like andrew said if you were to meet somebody that you're genuinely attracted to and you like them and you want to date or whatever like what's that look like or are you just staying single are you dating like what's it yeah yeah so I, i'd be lying if i like <laughs> said i had it all figured out and like had the exact answer to that question but um you don't have to. No, None of yeah. us do, right? No. Yeah. But I I did it's your best guess. Yeah. yeah. So I, I did recently, like within I think a little over a month now, like get out of a relationship. And it wasn't for like any particular like bad reason or something like wrong happening. But it was just a like result of like praying like going through the relationship. It lasted about six months. Um but just going through the relationship and just like growing together and it was a really good strong relationship but then just like praying through that and kind of really having this thought that this this isn't this isn't it like like really really great girl and like one of my good friends but just she's not the one you mean yeah yeah was, and she, not, did, was she not that on fire with the faith or just hey she was on fire you guys were like meet you met her at daily mass but there was just some static in the connection. Yeah, it, it was more. Yeah, more so. Just like I don't know. It wasn't. It's hard. Like it was hard to pinpoint. Like it, it was. It was a difficult breakup because there wasn't like oh yeah this that and that reason mm-hmm. and like to go back on. It was just more so gradual. Like this isn't. This doesn't feel like what I'm called to. And just praying through that, and it made it so much more difficult. But. Was she surprised you, by that? Was she like, "What? What do you mean you're not called to this?" I, I, I think a little bit, but we like we talked it through a lot and like came to a mutual understanding. So I mean, it was just like really tough compared to past breakups. Like I mean, I only other only dated in high school. Besides that, mm-hmm. um, and that wasn't like I guess as mature of dating as now. Or like going into it with the same mindset as now, so the breakups then were just different, you know, mm-hmm. more so. Just can like, I ask you a direct question that I yeah, think yeah. listeners want to know, Pete? Were you guys um, intimate, sexually active, no, or no. were you able yeah. to? Okay, so you resisted yeah. that temptation. Right, correct. Yeah. Did that have to can, be start? Oh, sorry. Go no, go ahead. I no, I, no, I had a follow up question, yeah, but ahead. please hit hold it, that one. Yeah. If this breakup was difficult already, and our son Nikki. Is was just going through this just now, 
And it's difficult anyway because you genuinely care about the other person and you don't want to hurt them and hopefully they don't want to hurt you, right? right? So so by not being intimate with each other, how you know, like do you just want to describe the you know, what that would have done to the breakup or not done? You know what I mean? Is there anything wisdom that you gain there that you guys weren't Yeah. Ent- yeah, for sure. Because um, that it's already difficult enough, right? Yeah, so, I think there's such a like emotional connection that you have with a person, and not even just emotion; it goes so much deeper than that. Um, even without that physical aspect, um, that it, it, that separation is difficult. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, just adding that physical aspect on top of it makes it really hard. like so much more challenging. Um, but and how can you be main, how can you be friends after that and maintain friendship? Yeah, that's. I mean, I, I think working it's, that out. Mu- yeah, it's much easier. I think to maintain it. Obviously, the friendship has changed. Like you can't. It's not going to be the same Mm-mm. type. Did you have to have? Did you have to be clear in the beginning with her? Say, hey, look, you know what? I dig you. We're going to go out for pizza. It's going to be awesome. We're going <laughs> to go see Top Gun. It's going to be good. But after that. You will not be coming back to my dorm room, nor will I be going back to your <laughs> dorm room for any kind of monkey business. So, it's like none of that. Or it was like maybe because you're at a Catholic school, you knew her. Those kind of above board conversations didn't have like awkward type conversations didn't have to happen. Or did they? Like, would you say, hey, I have to get this out here? That like this is real men for life stuff. Yeah, dude, now we are like sitting deal. up this in our like, couches now, and yeah, we are this, this is like this is we are like, on we need, it. This Pete, is, thank this you is, for your uh, your yeah, we're, we're white we're whiteboarding yeah, this thing out. We're whiteboarding it out right now. Yeah, for this like particular circumstance, no, that conversation didn't have to have didn't have to happen. Um, we had been good friends for like little over a year before we even thought about dating. So that those questions were kind of answered just throughout our friendship. So how do you know you're even dating then? No, no, like we there was okay, an intentional was moment of okay. like asking right, her. So on that a was date. clear, yeah, but yeah, it that was, but you yeah. didn't have to lay out right like the, rules, I just, the ground rules were right. understood. Yeah, before we even started dating, because um, you already we know just, each other, yeah, you're yeah, already so, friends, right, dude? That's so beautiful. we knew, we knew we, we like each other believed on yeah. that. Awesome, and we that's knew great. That, Praise like God. that played a role in even wanting to date each other in the first place. Is that we we kind of align on. Some things, mm-hmm. right? But, yeah, this right. is a definite potential yeah. mate, right? right? Like a not just some things, but like important things. Yes, like these key things about the faith. Yeah, yeah. I don't know for sure if we're going to wind up together for the rest of our lives, yeah. but there's actually a possibility, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. that's so. Nice. What, how Go many ahead. girls in Immaculata? What percentage of the women in Immaculata would you say you wouldn't have to have that conversation with, and what percentage would you say you would? Oh gosh. That's that's difficult because I, I think Immaculata has a really strong faith community, um, but I think that's something that suffered because of COVID. Like it kind of just coming back. Like I started freshman year, like still kind of in the midst of like coming out of the shutdown and everything. Um, and then there's just all the like restrictions and things like that, like gatherings of this many people, all all the just all the all the rules and restrictions is that made a huge amount of yeah, sense too. It, it per- made perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> it was all logical <laughs> and reasonable and <laughs> just like two years of complete sanity. <laughs> 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 right. so, 
Sorry. I, I won't make it. <laughs> We're not going to go there. We don't have that much time. We'll leave I, have, I have one thought. <laughs> Kitty litter boxes. <laughs> yeah, it makes about as much sense. Yeah. But, um, like, you couldn't have these, like, community gatherings. And th- that's a lot of stuff that's happening now. Like, and last year as well. Oh, yeah. But, so dating got weird because it's like everyone's wearing a mask. Well, no, just whatever. even, like, having a Catholic community. Got, couldn't do got it. a little difficult just yeah so now you're actually it's almost like yeah yeah gloves are off we're like yeah yeah there's a new freedom game. again right. so yeah so is it starting to get a little hairy now yeah. that there's now that there's more freedom well, and more gathering and all that is it starting to, to... sparks are flying <laughs> yeah what, what do you mean by hairy meaning like it was that i guess was it are you seeing a better catholic culture on campus yeah, or a worse better oh you are yeah so it was one of those things, like, freshman year, like, you knew it was there, but it was kind of hidden. So it's like there wasn't much to even do, kind of because we weren't allowed to do it. And that there was something, like, stinks. there before as well. And we have this great tradition in, like, the IHM sisters. So, that, like, it's something you knew. Like, there's there's something good here, but it's kind of, wh- where is it? <laughs> so then soft- my sophomore year, so last year, it, like, as these restrictions get lifted, more and more events are allowed to happen. You're meeting more and more people that share the same values as you. And then this year, everything's completely normal. So you're just really starting to see this community build up. So based off like those people that show up to these like um, events through campus ministry, um, it wouldn't have to be the, the same extent of that conversation, like if you were right. trying to so do you guys, so These girls are on line. board. They're not like right, right, yeah. these girls are on board. It's a, it's a solid community. But That's awesome. It's still a college regardless of right. the Catholic identity, and it is a good Catholic identity. Um, so there's always yeah. going to be partying if you want to find it. Um, so there's always that population as well. Even What's the partying look like these days at a Catholic school? Is it people like smoking? I mean, I'm not, you know, not going <laughs> to ask you to like out people in particular, yeah. but is it like vaping weed in the bathroom or is it like ayahuasca ceremonies or like what are the people <laughs> just getting wasted, just I, beer? Like what is, what's going on? I, uh, not that you're, imp- not you're taking part of it. Yeah, I was going like, to say, I kind of separate myself okay, from good. Right. And a lot but, of it. But is it going, is that stuff going on? Yes, but a lot of that. A lot of the stuff that goes on is off campus. Okay. So it's so, not things on Immaculata's campus. So if you want to find that, yeah. you got to go to the local bar outside of school. Yeah, or even just And like, there are people doing that, but that's not like... Yeah, and it's... We, we, I was right. at school, I was in the dorm room. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. We had a guy, Dan, he had the same last name as me. He's from New York, I think. He got thrown out on the orientation weekend. It was like, buddy, you didn't even make it to the first day. He didn't even try. Yeah. People, it was like Animal House. Yeah. yeah. You couldn't make it one weekend yeah. without bringing right. weed with you? Yeah, like, right. come on, bub. <laughs> yeah, of course. There, there's, I mean, there's other local colleges as well. And okay, like so if you really want to get in trouble. Yeah, if you, you if you want to find trouble, if you want to find this lifestyle, you can. Right. It's just not. We don't recommend that. Right, definitely. On Men for not. Life podcast, we do not Sorry, recommend that Quite lifestyle. the opposite. But <laughs> Me and Pete did the experimentation on that. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. a, it's a losing game. He means Big Pete. Big Pete. Yeah, Big Pete. Yes, yeah, yes, no. Big Pete. Big Just Pete did the, yeah. <laughs> Big Pete. We did the. We did the yeah, yeah, no. the heck do you call race. that? Just yeah. toss me under not, the bus. Not, Terrible. We did, we not actively experimenting. <laughs> it's not good. I, I know, really, you know, I am super, 
fascinated on this whole dating piece. I really am. Like Jason Evert, Christopher West, Theology of the Body. And I think so much of it is probably just from our own life for Trish and I. But we see how great things are now and how not great it was before for those first 10, 11 years. So so to see a young man like you, Pete, live in it. It's amazing, just, man. Oh, You're doing dude, great. You're doing great. You. Men for Life approved life. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We get the check mark. You get the blue check yeah, mark. Yeah, we don't have this swag yet, but it's coming. <laughs> and Pete, you will be in a Men for Life approved check mark like t shirt to wear proudly around Thank campus. You, that's right. Um, what, um, what's dating look like for you as we're wrapping up here in these yeah, last we, few minutes? Um, so what's it look like? Like, what are you looking for in a lady? We know, you know, we've asked some ladies on the show, like, you know, what are you looking for in men? What are you looking for in a young woman right now? <laughs> you able to verbalize that? Yeah. I, I, I yeah. I just got to think about it for a sec. But because I have I, to tell you, I think that, and we're raising, you know, I have three daughters at home. Our oldest is a ninth grader, by the way, at Villa Maria. So she's seeing the IHM yeah, you know, yeah. tradition there, there. Beautiful, by the way. She has an opportunity to receive the Eucharist every day during lunch. So <laughs> she came home and told us she's been going in. Wow. And we were like, oh, That's Trish amazing. and I are so happy. Yeah, we couldn't be happier. So, But as a young girl, here she is, and she's not dating yet, but it's like if she wants the right guy like you, Pete, yeah. then at that point, what are you looking for in her? You looking for her to wear the shortest shorts possible with everything <laughs> hanging out? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, right. You know what dresses the girls are wearing right now to like the proms and everything like that. When the school has to give you a list of what you're not allowed to have on and then ask you to send pictures over in advance mm. to make sure that they're approved. Like it's that a says a lot about, you know what I mean? About yeah. what is being, what's just the general culture of what's being worn, you know? Yeah, sure. So thank God for that you know, at Villa Marie and some of these other high schools. But yeah, so what are you looking for so that this way, you know, my 14-year-old knows, <laughs> hey, if I want to end up with somebody like Pete someday, this is what that looks like. Or if I just want a bunch of guys attracted to me, you know, she already knows what that looks like, right, you know? Yeah. That's not too hard to find. No. So yeah, what yeah, do you say? So I, I don't think it's like necessarily some like sort of roadmap of like the, these few things you have to have checked off and it's like that's what that's what I'd want or that's what you should strive for. Hmm. I don't think it's that cut and dry. I think there's some things that are like um non-negotiable like just like a a shared faith and just a shared like hmm. depth of faith and like general pursuit um like in like what uh, you would want out of a married life. Like this isn't like this is a way of like modeling Christ in the church and that relationship and like raising saints like that's like the general goal of the married life not just like uh to get married and then we can like have sex because the church says you have to wait till then it's like it's like so a general alignment on like that mindset of like being in line with what the church teaches like so there's things like that that you, i guess you could mark off as like a check mark but other things it's like it people are so unique and so individual that it comes down to like how each like person is living it out but i will say like to your point about like oh is it wearing the shortest shorts and i know that was a joke but there's some there is something about the opposite of that that is just unbelievably attractive like someone like 
someone that dresses yes like someone that just like dresses um amen i guess dresses like they have dignity is the way to say it but just there's something that old school kind of like captivating about that yeah because like you see like in particular when a woman is dressing that way like dressing um i i don't know how to word it but i guess like wearing like dressing up nicely for mass or things like that, or or even just like going to class and wearing something like that flatters them in like a respectful way, you know, like something that just mm-hmm. brings out their dignity and like reveal like reveals the beauty of the female body, like reveals their like just the beauty that they just inherently have, which the culture twists in just like showing everything, everything's on display at every moment. That's that's an abuse of like this beauty that women naturally have but there's just something about when like just like not to reduce it to like superficial outfits but when they wear like an outfit or like a dress or something that just like really brings out like their beauty as a human being their femininity yeah, right and, and just yeah. simultaneously shows that they know that they have worth yeah, that they know amen. they're worth something. They like they like a general understanding that they they know what they what they awesome mean. man. Yeah, Pete, that's so awesome, and we really we got to end it here because someone's going to bump in here in a minute to uh, take over the studio from us. We really appreciate yeah, you no, coming you. in, and we'd love to have a part two with you. <laughs> Maybe you'll be dating someone. You can send us over. Uh, you know, we can tell we can talk talk a little bit about that. But Pete, you want to end us in prayer before we uh, we drop we drop off. Absolutely. Yeah, Dude. Pete, honestly, this was wonderful. And I, yeah, it was great, man. Yeah. really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. That no, was great. There will be a part two. <laughs> and Amen. we're going to get the Max for Life on with us also. There we go. Amen. All right, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God, um, thank you so much um, for... <clears throat> for this podcast and for the ability, uh, as Andrew said earlier, just to be together with each other, communion with each other as uh, men and women and, um, and, and communion with you, as Pete was describing, you know, with you truly present to us, um, in adoration in the Eucharist. And, um, we would just ask you to continue to bless this mission of bringing young men and young women together, um, understanding that respect and dignity for themselves and then having that respect and dignity for for the other. Uh, We would ask you for um, holy relationships, uh, for holy marriages and holy families. I'd ask that you continue to rekindle those relationships and strengthen parents so they can raise up um, stronger young men and stronger young ladies. And, um, And hopefully through this, we can restore the culture um, that you've intended all along. And that is, of course, a culture of life. And we ask this always in your son, Jesus's name. Amen. Pope John Paul II. Pray for us. Our Lady of Fatima. Pray, pray for, for us. In the name of the Father, Amen. and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Pete. Sign Thank off. you.